the inadequate identification of key risks. That's what's been highlighted in the benchmark studies conducted across a number of different C-levels who are all decision makers, all looking at the space of cybersecurity. And yet, as many as 41% of them know what their responsibility is around cybersecurity, but that they're not ready for it. They haven't embraced or accepted the digital transformation like they know they should have, and they are not necessarily ready for the rapidly changing threat landscape that exists. Now, some of the stats we're going to talk about today were published only last month. And I'm very pleased as Tech Central to have on the call today, Simone Santana from Skybox. She's the regional director. And Bob Vickers, who's the EMEA VP for Skybox. Thank you very much, both of you, for joining us today. And let's jump straight into this topic of cybersecurity. Thank you, James. Happy to be here. Um, Thanks, yeah, I think this benchmark study that we did is really groundbreaking because it certainly is the largest of its kind. And it's highlighted interesting facts that I think we're all quite used to knowing, but it's good to quantify them and be able to apply those learnings across a much wider area. It was not just done in isolation with Skybox. We had other vendors that joined in with this benchmark study. And, you know, you imagine having 1,200 CISOs that you're interviewing across the globe, you're going to get a really good sample size of what's really happening out there. What is the temperature gauge in cybersecurity right now? And what is the posture and the risk appetite and all those wonderful things? And the number I read was that 40% of those CSOs say that they are not well prepared. Indeed. I think it is putting up that looking glass and understanding that security is way more than just looking at a compliance-driven exercise. And I think from a Skybox perspective, what we want to do is take it further than just what's missing, what's wrong. For us, it's about how do you prioritize an environment when everything is critical, you know, everything becomes important. So how do you sift through what's important to know where you're supposed to focus your efforts and deploy the right resources? Because we know resources are quite short-skilled, short-staffed, short-everything in every part of the world. Even in Bob's neck of the woods, he's based in the UK. I think that the cybersecurity shortage of skills is everyone's problem, not just in South Africa. Absolutely. We've been having a number of those conversations lately, and I think it's something that's been brought right to the surface of that, that skill shortage. And when we talk about skill shortage, one of the things that Skybox prides itself in is getting that intelligence in context so that you can reduce your cybersecurity threat at speed and at scale. And that reduction, or even the prevention, is really what we're talking about today, isn't it? Very much so. I mean, A, there's a skill shortage. People are trying to do more with fewer people. As you said, here in the UK, and I know in South Africa, and Africa in general, there's a massive skill shortage. But the other interesting thing is that hackers are getting cleverer. They're investing time, effort, and energy into understanding an organization's infrastructure. And what they're doing is, is that they're targeting some of the lower level of criticality vulnerabilities to get into an organization to then laterally move left and right, if that makes sense. So CISOs are then left with this problem of, well, what do I prioritize? And the answer is, I have to prioritize everything. The high priority stuff and the low priority stuff has to be a priority. Yeah. So they're a wash. I mean, I'm at an event today 
in the Netherlands where we're meeting CISOs and it's the same thing all the time. They're just drinking from a fire hose, to use that analogy. And as someone says, the trick is to prioritize within the context, and the key word is context, of their environment. And that's what Skybox does. We'll talk about that in a second. But what we effectively do is say, look, these are the areas you really need to prioritize based on the context of your particular infrastructure. And you use the analogy of fire hose. I was thinking of the back door being left wide open. Either way, we need to stem the flow. And how do we do that without having the analogy of, or bring a third analogy, a geezer, where you're putting your hand over one valve and another one spraying up somewhere else? You know, the risks are huge. Prevention is so critical at this stage. What are some of the findings your research has brought to the surface? Firstly, I don't think you're going to stem the tide. And I think you've got to become smarter around how you prioritize your cybersecurity. And I think the basics that one needs to do is really at the beginning, and that is to understand what your network comprises. Now, that's not an easy task. You can't protect what you don't know. And most organizations do not have an accurate view of what their estate looks like. You know, with the fluid fluctuating movement of hybrid networks, work from home, pandemics, new technologies, Mm. Kubernetes, I mean, the list is just endless. And cybersecurity becomes not an afterthought, but, you know, you're always chasing the fire because we've had to exponentially get things going at a rapid pace, which means your vulnerability landscape, your threat landscape is ever-changing. So the only way that you are going to practically understand where you're most vulnerable is to first start with this picture, this accurate view of your landscape. And and that's what Skybox does, is build a complete identical model of your network. Now, we've done a lot of deployments, and as easy as it sounds, it's still not easy. And you can never do this in isolation. You do need a technology that can bring in all these data sources from various data points, your firewalls, your you know network devices, what your users are doing, your vulnerability scanners. And only then can you create this 360-degree model that you can start to literally manipulate and understand the flow of traffic. And that's when, interestingly, something else is in the arsenal of that security team or the network team is you can start to be proactive and you're not now just chasing noise and things that have to get done because there's a critical vulnerability. You can now start to be way more focused in your efforts when you understand in context, as Bob said, where you are vulnerable, what is exposed and how do you prioritize those efforts? And I think talking back about this benchmark study, One thing that was evident is that you need to enable CISOs to have this board conversation by pulling it back into their language. And the way that the universal language of how do you address cybersecurity is put a number to it. Tell them this is going to cost money if our HR server or finance server or whatever your critical asset is will go down. And there's no other platform that I'm aware of that takes all of these critical elements and enables you to put not just a risk score, but also to quantify what that value is to that asset that should it be compromised, 
What's it going to cost the business? How are we going to recover from it is one, but what is the cost? You mentioned the word quantify. Is there a model or is there some clever arithmetic that you use? How does one look at that from a practical perspective? And let's go back to the word, put it into context for our listener, please. Within our system, we have the ability to assign an asset value to a device, an endpoint device. Now, that can either be because we've ingested that information from a CMDB system that the customer or our customers will have some form of asset register with an asset importance on it. So we can then take that in and we can produce, basically produce a report that says if this device is, um, is compromised, this is the likely cost. And the likely cost is by using some sort of industry benchmark numbers about, you know, what's the cost per data record of this device being compromised. So Simone says it's about putting it into pounds and pence or dollars and cents or whatever. So putting it into monetary terms Mm. uh, tends Mm. to get people's interest because cybersecurity is still at a very senior level in many organizations seen as being kind of an inconvenience. And it is, but it's also an absolute necessity. So putting it into monetary terms can help people get to grips with the effects of not doing something about fixing their cybersecurity holes. And my guess is these sorts of initiatives are also becoming more and more automated. Yes, very much so. So, well, there's a number of things. Automation is a key point. It's a great point, Jay, is because cybersecurity and applying cybersecurity to an infrastructure is a very manual process. It involves a human being generally inputting information into firewalls, firewalls. And human beings are fallible. You know, we make mistakes, Mm. we get tired, we get bored, Mm. we've had a bad day, whatever, whatever. And so mistakes are made. So being able to automate as much of the provisioning and then the continuous checking of firewall, you know, policy deployment or rule deployment, if I can use that term, is key. And uh, it's something that we do. It's firewall orchestration, basically. So orchestrating the provisioning of policy and then continuously checking it to ensure that it meets company policy. So absolutely, automation is very key. And of course, as we said earlier, there is a skill shortage. We tend to find that when we deploy a system, we're not enabling companies to lay people off and get rid of them, but we're allowing them to then redeploy those assets, those Mm. people, to doing more sort of strategic stuff. Absolutely. I understood that from the research. You're reskilling and upskilling people in their existing workplaces. Yeah, taking away the manual stuff and allowing yeah. them to focus on the more important stuff. Yeah. So, Simon, if I look at your benchmark study and I look at the complexity and how time-consuming cybersecurity is, for our listener, can we jump into that report and unpack some of the critical topics that are front of mind? So I think something that will really not shock too many people is the top four significant areas of breach over the last two years. First what, of that, what, list, would you listing those quickly, please? I'm going to. I'm going to list oh, them. Oh, good. Thank you. This was human error. 50% yeah. of the respondents cited that human error was the cause. Bob's just mentioned that. Absolutely. The second was misconfiguration at 49%. Yeah. Again, Bob covered that as well because yeah. humans are either you know lazy or fallible or both. Unknown assets. 44%, right? So you don't know of an asset that's lurking somewhere in your network that's got no policy, that's not covered by anything security-related, and that becomes an attack vector. Especially and, with the amount of people working you know, hybrid 
yeah, exactly. off site and they've got different devices. Sure. Exactly. All talking back to, you know, home with the or corporate home. And the fourth one, poor maintenance and cyber hygiene. And these are, I think that is probably the most critical basic tenet of cybersecurity is cyber hygiene. But it's not an easy task to do at a co, you know, a, an iterative process. As we said, you have to be mindful that networks are ever-changing. So this compliance exercise cannot be just a point in time, look at your network, and, you know, when the auditors come, let's see where they're compliant or not. This has got to be something that you check on a regular basis, that you ingest information from vulnerability sources, which actually our vulnerability scan detector does that. You know, when we talk about a platform approach, you've got this really massive problem in organizations and sometimes it's so overwhelming and where do you start well you've got to start with easy things everybody needs to do firewall hygiene pretty well you know you need to be able to understand what your shadowed and redundant rules are then you move on to something that makes your network more mature and visible by starting to ingest the compliance level of all these other network devices so you start to build this picture out and you get to that model where you can start to check the data flows. And those top four causes, I suppose, in context to this report, is going to also feed into what those next top investment areas need to be that the respondents were talking about. So out of this, it was very evident that investment areas across the board is focus more on regular risk assessments audits, pen tests, develop maintaining a cyber incident response plan, right? So if something happens, are you ready to respond? What do you, you know, what war room are you going to start? You know, who's the stakeholders, etc. Prioritizing IT and OT assets to protect as well as the vulnerabilities to remediate. I did these in shorthand, forgive me, James, but I urge your listeners to actually download our report. They can, they can see the whole list. Number four, develop and maintain a security monitoring and threat detection capability. Again, mm. you know, these are things that many managed services providers are offering to customers, but where do you start? And number five, optimization. Optimize the network, optimize your processes, optimize your awareness, and that is a continuous process. And as you said at the beginning, we don't know what we don't know. And often what this leads to, and I think your checklist is sound and very wise logic to follow. And we will, of course, be sharing this benchmark study and report with all our listeners attached to our website and as part of the podcast. But this feeds you know, in all directions. You said left and right, up and down. But the up and down bit that I just want to ask you about here is the investment required and how to justify that investment to the powers of B. So how do you assist a board in making a very important decision around spending the required investment that's needed to bring that cybersecurity to a level where you're you know, comfortable and the vulnerabilities have been reduced? I think it's becoming easier because the consequences of poor cybersecurity hygiene, let's call it that, is becoming uh, far more publicized. You know, look at the colonial pipeline issue and you know, goodness. In the UK, we had the the National Health Service basically taken down by the WannaCry virus. So it's, bec- it's becoming easier. I think our story to people is, this is Skybox's story, is 
remember what we do. We're triaging a lot of the existing information that they've already got. What we tend to say is, look, if we go out and buy more, more stuff, make sure that you're getting value from the systems that you've already got in place. So as Simone was saying, and, and as I was saying, Ariana, without, without wishing to sort of repeat ourselves, what we do is we triage all that information in, map it into a map of the underlying infrastructure. The term we use is a digital twin. You know, we create a digital twin mm. of their environment, take all these feeds in, and then give them one kind of source of truth. So we're taking all these threat feeds and vulnerability scanning things and endpoint security solutions. We're taking the output of those in. Very often times we find that they contradict each other or can do. And then we're providing one kind of point of point of truth. So, so we're giving one sort of pane of glass to an organization. And then from that, addressing your question, they're able to get a report or produce some sort of output that they can then take to the board to justify getting expenditure and tied in with what we were talking about earlier on with tying cost to a cybersecurity and to help. I think that direct risk to loss ratio is something so critical to identify up front. Yeah. James, what was also very interesting was that organizations that had a risk-based approach to cybersecurity were far more prepared and far less breached than other organizations. And what does it mean to have a risk-based approach? It's understanding what your attack surface looks like. It's knowing, you know, that, that visual what's around the corners. Being able to address simulating these risks in an environment that's safe. So you look at your exposure to risk in the organization and plan your infrastructure investments, your, you know, everything from that angle, from that lens. And, and I think that's what's always excited me about Skybox is from the outset, it is a platform that genuinely takes a risk-based approach in the context of that particular environment. It's not just, you know, a generalized what's out there. It is focused it is, you know, succinct of the snapshot of that organization. And if you look at the amount of, you know, we know there's been, I think we've become desensitized to the amount of attacks that happens, you know, just as a consumer, you know, every day we hear our information is leaked in this leak or that breach. Uh, and it becomes quite challenging for organizations to, you know, give us assurances as, as you know, sitting on the other side of the fence. So, you know, there's also only so much that one can do because you've, you know, got this interconnectedness of suppliers and supply chain and third party. But still, you need to be able to take responsibility for the information that is between third parties and who you connect to and, and who you interact with. And the only way you can do that is to make sure that your playground is safe and that, the gate to the next playground is secure and that there is a guard or, you know, a bell or something mm. Mm. that doesn't let any bad actors through. And that I think is one of the most basic things that we can do is, you know, take care of your own third party perimeter and make sure that wherever you're shaking hands, that they are at least as safe as what you can, you know, put your hand on heart to. 
Thanks, Simone. You're smiling, Bob. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just loving all the analogies. I love it. <laughs> Me too. I, I, I don't think there have been so many mixed metaphors in one conversation. <laughs> But this we topic lends itself. Interesting. <laughs> exactly. This topic lends itself so nicely to those analogies because we're all very aware of the common day threats. But this world is becoming a riskier place. And I think the key message that I'm getting here, and Bob, I'm going to ask you to close in a second if you don't mind. But the key message I'm getting here is very, very clearly the fact that you can't sit in your hands. You also can't knee jerk. So let's all be prepared. Let's all open our eyes to this reality. And if, there's, if someone comes in and is asking for some capital to be spent on something that you're unfamiliar with, delve into this research. Equip yourself with some of this information so that you're able to help them do their jobs as best they can do. Yeah, I think absolutely. You know, stop and pause, take a breath, because there is a headlong rush to people chucking in systems and solutions to try and secure their infrastructures. Of course, we want people to go out and buy skyboards, but actually... You know, the reality of it is we want a safer cyber world. I know it sounds a bit cheesy, but we do. Mm. So I think take stock. I think there's a couple of key things. Number one, get visibility of your infrastructure. And as Simone, yeah. great point, you can't protect what you don't know. So we see people all the time, larger organizations, they don't know what they've got connected to their network. With IoT and OT, proliferating as it is, that is massively increasing the threat surface. So first of all, one, get visibility. And we can do that for you. Number two, take all the security capability that you've got, bring it in, you know, kind of triage it all, and then get the stuff that's important to you out. So, you know, the key thing, as I say, that we've mentioned is this word context. What's important to the company down the street is maybe less important to you. What's less critical to the company up the road might be very critical to you. So putting this into the context of your specific environment is what we're all about. And as far as I'm aware, we're fairly unique in being able to do that. So, yeah, I think, you know, stop, take stock, get visibility, and then understand threats and vulnerabilities within the context of your specific particular environment. That's the sort of message that we espouse. Well, thank you, Bob. And on that note, from Tech Central and all of our listeners, thank you very, very much for your time. You know, both Bob and Simon, thank you for your inputs into this. And we very much look forward to our next conversations, but also delving more into that, into that case study and the research that's been done, which, as I said, in the middle of the podcast will be shared and linked to this podcast. And we encourage all of our listeners to delve in there and really just try and unpack some of the reasons why cybersecurity initiatives are as complex as they are. And in order to mitigate against them, we do need to put some time and effort and capital behind it but we can't afford not to. So for me, James Erasmus at Tech Central, Bob Vickers, Simon Santana, thank you very, very much for your time and thank you very much, Skybox. Mm-hmm.